Hi, and welcome to the All Things Credit Coffee Conversation podcast series, where we from Visma On Guard talk with different experts in the field of order to cash about trends and developments. Don't forget to grab your cup of coffee while listening. Good uh, afternoon and uh, uh, welcome at uh, this uh, first edition of the Coffee Conversations. We are very glad to have uh, uh, Caroline here today. Um, before we start, we have some uh, practicalities. Um, and that's uh, um, all uh, attendees for the, at the webinar are muted for now. So if you have any questions, there is a little bar at the right hand side of your screen. Uh, where there's a chat box, so uh, use it if you have any questions uh, you would like me to ask uh, Caroline. And um, we have half an hour, so um, uh, I suggest we uh, get started. So I'll turn off this and turn on the webcams. Yes, um, Caroline. Before we start, I don't think since you are uh, uh, in the US and I think most of our uh, viewers are in the Netherlands and uh, not everybody will know exactly who you are. Could you please uh, introduce yourself uh, to us? Sure. Thanks, Floor. So good afternoon and good morning if you're joining from the US. I'm Caroline Schneider. I'm actually based out of Sarasota, Florida. Um, I'm currently the Order to Cash global process owner for Capgemini, where I support our product design for Order to Cash, so how, our technology, our solutions, and also do a lot of consulting with industry-leading clients around the globe to help them maximize cash and, and working capital. So prior to my current role, um, I've been leading complex Order to Cash operations for about 18 years, so very excited to be here today and on my second cup of coffee. Thanks. Perfect. Yeah, for uh, it's our afternoon uh, cup of coffee, your morning cup of coffee. Perfect. Yeah. So during this uh, coffee conversations, uh, um, we uh, um, ask experts in the order to cash uh, um, uh, work fields to join us and share their knowledge and insights on where order to guess is going, where credit management is going, and we're very happy to have you here. And in our um, the conversations we had, uh, you mentioned frictionless finance. Could you explain us a bit more about what, what exactly you mean by this? Sure. So frictionless finance is really about so exactly what it says, removing friction, removing resistance or things that oppose motion out of the order to cash process. So traditionally, a lot of organizations have designed their processes and their teams around exceptions, right? So they staff to how many people it's going to take to post manual receipts for cash or do manual credit requests, or they look at how many customers they've traditionally been able to manage per collector. And it's all based on that manual effort, manual work, and the fact that they're going to get a constant flow of issues. Frictionless finance is about uh, when organizations take a step back and look at their processes differently. They look through a lens of how do I attain 95% auto match? How do I get to 8% past due? How do I eliminate 
having to reach out and call every single customer. So it's really about designing an approach that supports straight through processing, reduces manual effort um, out of the order to cash process. And it's really what we found is to get to frictionless finance, organizations really need to look at like four, four or five key things. They need to look at data orchestration. So using data much better so that so you don't have to have people go and hunt and find data in the system or data in remits or on the web or on portals. Um, you need to have self-service. So you need to be able to digitally augment the interactions with the customers so they don't have you don't have to chase them. They can get any question answered 24 seven. Um, you have to really drive things like machine learning and AI in the core of what you do to automate processing and make the processing more data driven. Um, you need a future proof team design. So what does that mean? That means having a team design that doesn't create silos. So you're looking at a process end to end, regardless of where that process sits within order to cash, and then making sure that you're using insights and data much more effectively. So all of those things, if leveraged the right way, can really transform order to cash, make your outcomes higher and, and make it a lot easier for everybody to manage the processes. So that's what we mean by frictionless finance. And what exactly of those five things, because it all it all sounds very logical, but for organizations to move into this and really implement this, I can under, I imagine that that's actually quite hard and quite a quite a big change. So what's the biggest hurdle there? What's the hardest part of it? So I think the hardest part of any transformation that you do with an order to cash, whether it's trying to achieve frictionless finance or even like improvements in any process is willingness to change, right? So a lot of organizations are so used to doing things the same way. And those processes have been so manual for a really long time. It's really uncomfortable for them to, to think to switch to an automation first strategy. So being able to eliminate activities that people have traditionally done where the activity makes them feel like they control the process better or it works better and shifting to not doing a process and having automation do it. I think that part's the hardest. So change management, I think, is always the hardest in, in, in that journey. Yeah. And how, how do you do that? How do you explain to people or how do you take them with you in the process that automation actually can bring them something or can be of added because sometimes it can be seen as a threat i think especially for people working in the, the credit departments absolutely i mean the more that we can upscale ourselves in order to cash and credit the better right so you know every organization's digital strategy is going to become even more important now that we're in covid so post covid the you know transformation is going to become incredibly important. So I think everybody needs to reskill themselves. I think your teams need to be on that transformation journey from the beginning. So your managers, your senior managers shouldn't, you know, I find it works better if if they're part of the design process, if they're part of the build process versus having something forced on them. If it's their initiative to make the outcome successful, I feel it works a lot better. Yeah. 
Okay. We did, we did a research in the Netherlands and the UK on the, the adoption of well, how data-driven the processes in the finance and credit management departments were. And a stunning, I think, 41% uh, um, said they think that might happen within uh, one to three years, but even 35% said it would take even longer than three years before they really start adopting a data-driven uh, way of working. Do you, is that something you recognize? And do you think COVID might have changed this or speed up this adoption? Definitely something I recognize, but um, I think the challenge will be with COVID and speeding up the, the desire of the senior level and the C-level to want to transform their processes and get better outcomes. So I think the next six months, next one year is really going to be about how do you drive cash, right? How do we make sure that our organizations are healthy or performing? And to do that, it's going to take more than just manual effort and working harder and working faster. It's going to take a bigger net. And that net to help with collections and help with decision making really needs to be digitally driven and data driven. The organizations that we see when we're comparing results right now across industries, across organizations, the ones that are doing better already have data-driven processes. They have platforms and point solutions or are optimizing what they can in their ERPs to get better results. Okay. And what do you think will be the, the, the biggest um, impact? for order to cash the coming years, the technology or? Yep, I think technology is definitely a game changer. So knowing what tools and what platforms are really going to drive the most benefits in the process. Um, again, order to cash is, is really changing now, especially with COVID from a department or back office function that's transactional to the organization that keeps the business healthy and in check, right? So the it's going to be a big responsibility for order to cash folks to, to lead transformation, not be led, and to help push and come up with business cases for technology and automation that will deliver the right results for their organization. Um, the, as the new generation moves into accounts payable roles and accounts payable management roles, I think it's also going to be important that order to cash teams help their organizations, you know, implement the right technology for their customers because their customers are going to want more of that consumer type of technology, right? The Amazon effect and hopefully not too quickly the TikTok effect, but there are apps that are really easy to log into uh, to get information that you need that are one click, two click, super simple that's really going to be an expectation over the next three to five years from a lot of customers. So I think keeping up with that in order to cash is, is going to be a challenge for, for a lot of organizations. Yeah. And that's a pretty big uh, responsibility. I mean, it's quite a change in the role in, within the organization that they have to make in order to be relevant and of more added value, I think. Absolutely. I think relevant is a great point because it really is about relevance and about the value and about delivering outcomes above and beyond the expectation within your organization. So it's going to be really important. 
So are, are they ready? I mean, what kind of people do you need there? Or what kind of people do organizations need there in order to make this change? Yeah, so I think people that, well, my point that I mentioned earlier about change management, you, you really have to understand how to bring people on the journey with you because you're going to get resistance. So being a change champion is, is not an easy badge to wear. Um, I think organizations are going to, see it's going to be more important to augment their teams with people that are technically savvy. So, you know, I try to spend a lot of time researching new technology online, whether it's Python or blockchain or AI or all of that good stuff to make sure that I understand the lay of the land, how to apply those technologies. And I think that's going to be important for a lot of folks within organizations to also to drive relevance for themselves, to upskill and be technically savvy, not just financially savvy. Yeah, yeah, because that's that's one of the things where uh, uh, what I wanted to discuss with you uh, as well. It's blockchain. It was kind of a buzzword, uh, I think, uh, one two years ago. And if you uh, look into the hype cycle, that exactly shows that when when the the buzz is kind of gone, then uh, technology starts to be adopted. But we, uh, of course, we keep track of the developments there as well, but it's pretty hard to find good use cases for blockchain, especially in the order to cash uh, process, um, uh, other than the, the uh, cryptos and uh, uh, the currency. So, but I, uh, you told me you are working on some use cases, and I'm very curious to learn more about that. Yeah, so I'm definitely team blockchain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> really excited about the possibilities of blockchain, um, you know, starting a couple of years ago. And it's funny because it, there is a buzz. So I try to post a lot on social media and I get maybe 100 views, 200 views. But if I post something on blockchain, it blows up. You know, I, I posted a blockchain article at the beginning of this year and it was like 4,000 views. So there's a lot of interest in it, but that interest is really not kind of translating to live projects across, you know, different organizations. So I think it's like 15% of all projects with blockchain are actually live and it's kind of small use cases or it's mostly in financial services, healthcare and energy. But I do feel that blockchain and distributed ledger technology will be a game changer. Um, we have quite a few use cases that are in the works, not only in our financial services area, where it's around kind of know your customer, but uh, we're also looking at end-to-end -end supply chain blockchain or supply chain to pay. Because if you're really going to do something game-changing with an order to cash, you really need to start at where the pricing is created and the planning to actually when that transaction gets paid. So you can follow the transaction through the system. So we did a proof of concept with a global retail client earlier this year to prove out what actually does happen with things like disputes and credit and cash when you apply blockchain. And it was really cool because you can actually apply virtual credit limits because when you use blockchain that you can instantaneously see when that invoice is transmitted, when it's accepted by the client or the customer, if they accepted it at the right amount, when they're processing it for payment. So you see so far up, you know, down so, so much earlier in the process, you don't have to wait for payment to make a decision on credit and risk. 
So cash flow expectations, I can, yeah. Absolutely. And things like disputes and deductions where it's at the time, you know, you have consensus, you can create smart contracts that trigger alerts that move things immediately. And again, before you get the payment, before you have a discussion with a customer. So it's just, to me, it's amazing. But I think what organizations are going to struggle with are things like change management. You know, how do you get people onto blockchain? So those are all things that we're working through, but I'm really excited about the future of blockchain or blockchain-like technology that's more that's evolving over the next few years. Yeah. So how long do you think that that will take? Because if if we look into uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning, which is a bit more, I mean, it speaks more. Uh, it's it's a bit easier to understand what it does in terms of automating uh, manual processes or the data analysis. It's 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 easier to grasp for just a non-technical person than blockchain is, I think. So yeah. that might also be part of the problem of the the popular uh, how popular it is or the in the adoption. But what's your what's your take on timelines in terms of adoption of blockchain-like technology in really our daily financial lives? Well, so some organizations are pioneering with blockchain. So they're looking at use cases, and especially in the finance, finance space. So there's accounting use spaces, intercompany, you know, reconciliations with blockchain, logistics. So there's organizations that are investing in blockchain projects. But I think as a whole, there's still a lot of confusion about blockchain or the future of blockchain or the security of it. Or, you know, uh, there's still a lot of people that associate blockchain with cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, like you said, and that's where their head is. So I do think it's over the next three to five years, we'll see more adoption of blockchain. I mean, there are active projects around finance. Um, more in, like I said, financial services and banking, or you have consortiums that are already on a black blockchain, which makes it easier to create projects when you already have people on nodes in the blockchain. But I do think we'll see more in the next three to five years. Okay, interesting, interesting. <laughs> I can talk all day on blockchain for finance and accounting. <laughs> Sorry? I said I can talk all day on blockchain for finance and accounting, so yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, if you have another example of it, I'm, I, yeah. No, I mean, it's just, it's exciting. And, and I guess I would challenge technology providers and platform providers to look at how you could incorporate blockchain into your solutions in the future. Because that's where I haven't heard of a lot of, you know, use cases around blockchain. But if you can get a blockchain layer and then use your technology behind that blockchain layer, it's really cool the outcomes that platform providers can deliver. So less of a comment, more of a call to arms. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> so if you look at uh, businesses just in a, in a broader kind of sense, what do you think is the biggest challenge in the coming years? I mean... Business models are going to change, obviously, driven by COVID. So so organizations need to be able to support work from anywhere. They need to have more flexible and adaptable supply chains. 
Um, workforces are going to change, you know, co- not, not even with COVID, but like the new generation coming up, they have, you know, they don't align to kind of that traditional career path pattern that most of us do. They, they are, it's all about the gig economy and subcontracting and freelancing. So if organizations want to retain talent, they've got to figure out where that talent is, regardless of if, if it's near their corporate office and really hire and retain talent differently. And they need to, again, augment their teams with a lot more technical folks versus just operational folks. Um, So I think just talent management is gonna be important, Um, being ready for black swan events. So cloud-based tools and technology, having a strong transformation program and digital roadmap. Um, I think a lot of organizations that we talk to, they used to have a digital roadmap of five years. They're now kind of compressing to one year and two years. So I think readiness is going to be really, really important. So if an issue happens again, they can support it. And just dealing with technology in general. Yeah. Yeah, and being able to adapt fast to changing uh, environments. uh, Agility in the end. Absolutely. And dealing with emerging tech, you know, understanding where do you incorporate things like AI or advanced analytics or machine learning to really drive outcomes and be competitive. So and how, what's your vision on adding? Uh, because uh, there's a lot of very interesting uh, um, technical stuff going on. But on the other hand, it's still people kind of making the difference. How do you see that working together in having a, a, a customer success philosophy, making sure you're still, uh, and that's not, that you don't have the feeling that it's a bot all the time, but that there are also people behind it. How do you? Yeah, so, I mean, you really have to look at like, five senses lens. So what are the activities that people are doing? Who are they interacting with? What are they thinking about? Who are they, what are they reading, listening to? And then what's the right balance between doing that in a digital way or having a person intervene? You know, um, customer experience has to be the number one driver for any organization. So regardless of cost and technology and everything else, if you know, you're not making your customers happy and your invoices are constantly bad. They're always disputed. They're not going to the customer. They're going to the wrong place. It's complicated and hard for them to pay you. Then all of this other stuff doesn't mean as much. So you have to know who are the right people? Where do you focus your teams? Where do they need to interact? What are those activities that are still critical for a person to do because they're high value, they're complex, Um, You need that intimacy and interaction. And what's all the other stuff, the junk that you can take off your teams and automate so they have more time to interact with your customers, right? Versus doing all of this manual stuff that really doesn't add any value. So it's it's really about looking at where best to focus efforts. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So and... um, So where do you start then? Is it in this kind of process because like if we go back to the the first question and on the where you mentioned that it was on data and self-service and uh, uh, machine learning ai what's 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 the starting point uh, uh, normally 
Yeah, I mean, the starting point is still, like I said, looking at what is, where do you want to, where do you want to go? So what are you trying to achieve? Are you trying to reduce DSO? Are you trying to drive cash? Are you trying to build your customer service scores? So you have to begin with the end in mind. Then you look at what's that right balance of digital interactions and and, and touchless processing versus where do you want to put your people? And how do you make sure you have the best possible people in those positions that can handle those activities. So for organizations that just want minor changes in DSO and improve their cash posting by 10%, obviously that's much easier, right? You're focusing on how do you improve your process? How do you augment the tools that you already have? And you may put some RPA or some other tools on there. For other organizations that are looking for much more aggressive outcomes, well, that strategy is different. So it's begin with the end in mind, apply that lens of the five senses, look at how do you use, how do you transform the processes? What are you doing that's of no value? And then what automation do you add on top of that to hit those business outcomes? Yeah, okay. If, uh, is there something we could share on those five senses uh, available? Or, Absolutely. Uh, because Happy I think it might be interesting. Yep. Uh, also for the listeners. Okay. And then uh, I think the final question before we uh, run out of time is: What uh, is your tip for your one tip, the golden tip for uh, finance professionals uh, nowadays? Um, I guess I have two. <laughs> one would be the the upskilling. So learn as much as you can about new and emerging technology. That's super important. And be willing to change. <laughs> be willing to do things differently. Be open. And again, lead, don't be led. A wise man once told me that. And that's it was very important to use as a compass. So you want to lead in your organization and drive transformation and be recognized for driving transformation, not just be the, the person that's managing transactions behind the scenes. Okay, well, interesting advice. And I think uh, exactly the challenge where a lot of, uh, that a lot of organizations face, but also a lot of uh, uh, financials. So uh, uh, thank you. Um, thanks for your time and thank you for your, sharing your knowledge with us. Um, and um, uh, yeah, then I, I would like to wish you a great day because your day has just started. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And uh, well, as I said, this was the first of a series of coffee conversations. So um, if there uh, there are more, uh, have a look at our website, uh, ungard.com slash events. And there uh, you can find uh, more coffee conversation with uh, other also very interesting uh, uh, industry experts. So Caroline, thank you. And uh, I hope to see you all uh, uh, next time. Thank you for Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of the All Things Credit Coffee Conversation Series podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. In case you have any questions regarding this podcast for our guest speakers or for us, please reach out to us via LinkedIn or send us an email to info at ungard.com. There are many more interesting episodes for you. Check out Spotify or wismaungard.com slash events. We hope to see you soon.